the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today in the liturgical calendar, we find ourselves right where the disciples were during that brief period of time between witnessing the wonder of the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ and the receiving of the blessed fruit of that ascension. As Christ would pour out His Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, into the lives of each one of the disciples at Pentecost, filling them in their lives and impacting the world forever. We're in that in-between. We're in the time of waiting and we're in the time of anticipation. And these disciples, being filled with wonder and praise over the ascension that they had just witnessed and eagerly awaiting the promise that Jesus had told them about, the sending of his Holy Spirit, who they knew would be their helper in this life because Jesus told them, the comforter in this life, the one who would come alongside them and the one who would fill them with divine power from on high, as Jesus said. While they're waiting, what do we find all of these disciples doing in this brief time of anticipation? They're living in the most appropriate way, I tell you. Listen to Acts chapter 1, and we find what they were doing for that nine-day period in between Ascension and Pentecost. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew. Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, they all joined together in constant prayer. Along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In fact, we're told in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Acts, my friends, there were 120 disciples, all with the mother of God all present in that room, and they set themselves in unity together, notice what it says, to be constant in prayer. And they were not going to stop praying <clears throat> until they had received the promise from on high. They dedicated themselves to prayer. And this prayer would have consisted of many things. It would have consisted of the hours of prayer, for they were Hebrews. In the Old Covenant, the Hebrews prayed the hours of prayer. But this would not have been their only prayer. All the other time, and even in those liturgical prayers, remember, they are coming fresh off the wonder of seeing Jesus ascend into heaven. And they're also coming fresh off of the resurrection and fresh off of the life of Jesus Christ and seeing everything that, they, they, that Jesus did while with them. What are they doing as they pray? They are praying. They are in thanksgiving. They are praying prayers of anticipation. They're praying prayers that would be longing for the great gift that our Lord Jesus Christ was going to send. And based on what we see them do, what does Christ through his church call us to do in the midst of this nine-day period where we have experienced through remembrance the ascension and we move towards Pentecost in remembrance, experience the sending of the Holy Spirit. In remembrance, we pray. In remembrance, we do what they did. We dedicate ourselves to fervent prayers for this great gift of the Holy Spirit. And I say that we pray in remembrance. Not to be funny, but let's remember what remember means. 
Because remembrance is not just some intellectual, mental recollection of something that we've read about that occurred over 2,000 years ago. Grace-filled remembrance by the Holy Spirit in the church is far more than that. Grace-filled remembrance is when something that Jesus did, something that he accomplished back 2,000 plus years ago, by the grace of God, when we engage it, he brings the fruit of it and the experience of it right into our now, right into our present, so that we can experience that. We believe this about Holy Eucharist. We remember every time, do this in remembrance of me. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat in great fellowship with his disciples, his beloved disciples. And he took bread and wine, and he took it and broke it and blessed it, and declared it and made it his body and blood for them, and they took him into themselves. Every time we gather together at this our Lord's table, our Lord, through the grace of remembrance, is no less present, and we are no less present with him. And he takes, not the priest, he takes the bread, and he takes the wine, and he breaks it, and he blesses it. And he makes it his body and we enjoy him in that fellowship, not 2,000 year old memory, in actual fellowship and experience today. And so we are called in remembrance through the Christian calendar by the Holy Spirit to do what his blessed mother and all of his disciples were doing during this, this period between Ascension and Pentecost. In remembrance, we pray. We devote ourselves like the 120 disciples to that eager prayer, eagerly awaiting prayers that vocalize our desire for every benefit for which the Holy Spirit has been sent into our lives. This is what we do. And if we will, just as with every gift of remembrance throughout the year, our Lord Jesus Christ will do something so wondrous. And so beautiful for our experience of him and his kingdom and therefore for our salvation. Now we know the one thing different. We're on the other side of Pentecost than they were. We know that because of Pentecost and by virtue of our being baptized, we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet we are constantly growing in the awareness of great gift. We are constantly in our lives having our eyes open to just what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in giving us the Holy Spirit. We could say it this way. We know that we become the temple of God being filled with the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, we by grace are called to spend our whole lives fanning into flame that great gift of God every day of our lives. Allow me to give you an example from Scripture. St. Paul, when he wrote to Timothy in his second epistle to Timothy, he says these words. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom teaches on those two verses. For it requires much zeal to stir up the gift of God. As fire requires fuel, so grace requires our eagerness, that it may be ever fervent. For it is in our power.
to kindle or extinguish this grace. For by sloth and carelessness it is quenched. And by watchfulness and diligence it is kept alive. You see, what we have received, all of us, in this great and blessed gift, we must work out in relational cooperation with our Lord Jesus Christ that the gift of the Holy Spirit may burn ever brighter and brighter in our souls and blossom then through our lives for the salvation and the benefit of others. And so we prepare this week, like the disciples, in prayer towards this aim. It's as if we become gardeners by our prayerful preparation this week to tend the seed that has been planted within us, to water it, to nurture it through prayer, to let that very Holy Spirit break up the fallow ground, that hard ground that is in our soul that does not allow for the growth and the blooming and the blossoming of the Holy Spirit and every good work that He intends to do within our own soul for our salvation, much less for the salvation of others, that the implanted seed of the Holy Spirit by our prayerful gardening will grow the experience of the kingdom of God in our lives and grow the experience of the king of that kingdom on our behalf. I pray you're seeing this, this call that we have. The 120 disciples, including the mother of God, devoted themselves to these very prayers, awaiting this gift. And they having experienced Christ so profoundly in their lives before Pentecost, by the very assurance of the Lord Jesus Christ to them, they knew that there was so much more to come when he would send the Holy Spirit. We heard those words just a few weeks ago. Jesus said, it is better that I leave you. They knew more was coming. And so they prayerfully, eagerly awaited. And in the same remembrance, in the same way, we are called for this time, this brief time, to pray as they did. To devote ourselves to the same prayers of longing and anticipation and joy and expectation that Christ may ready our hearts to blossom with the Holy Spirit. And to that end, midweek, I emailed you our Western Rite prayers for this time between Ascension and Pentecost called the Novena of the Holy Spirit. Novena simply meaning a nine-day prayer discipline. For we have nine days to pray these prayers of longing and expectation for the Holy Spirit preparing our souls for what he might do in remembrance at Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Allow me to share with you, if you haven't looked at them yet, allow me to share with you just a few of the prayers that we pray. Hear not only the beauty, but hear what must become our longing through these prayers. I share just a few. Come, O Holy Ghost, the Lord and life giver. Take up thy dwelling within my soul, and make of it thy sacred temple. Make me live by grace as an adopted son of God. Pervade all the energies of my soul, and create in me a fountain of living water, springing up unto life everlasting. Another prayer. Come, O Spirit of fortitude, and give courage to my soul. Make my heart strong in all trials and in all distress, pouring forth abundantly into the gifts of strength, that I may be able to resist the attacks of the devil. And a final one I'll share with you. 
of virtue, so that being filled with all sweetness of joy in the pursuit of good, I may attain unto eternal blessedness. These are but a few prayers that are in this nine-day prayer. Let's call it a nine-day prayer retreat, shall we? That we get to have an anticipation of the sending of the Holy Spirit. And let me ask you this. When you hear those prayers, do they not sound like the very prayers our Lord Jesus Christ longs to answer for you, for me? Absolutely. My friends, that's what the liturgical prayers always are. They're the prayers of truth. They're the prayers that when we pray them, even if we are thinking about the next thing in life or the thing that just happened, that even when we pray these liturgical prayers, by the grace of God, the Lord might actually help us want what we're praying for. To grow in us a grand desire for the things coming out of our mouth. You see, when we pray, then this is exactly what God does. He brings the desire into us for the things for which we ask and when we come to that true desire, when he conditions our soul now ready to receive with fervent desire the things for which we are asking for, he with pleasure answers them. And he grants them that for which we have prayed. My friends, all of us, absolutely all of us at times, we fail to receive and experience all of the incredible blessed benefits of the kingdom of God because we fail to ask for them. Remember Jesus' own words. You have not. Only for one reason. Because you ask not. If you have not yet begun praying these prayers. In anticipation and preparation for Pentecost. Begin praying them. You can catch up the last couple of days very easily. The way these prayers roll out. But pray. Let the Holy Spirit prepare you for a greater experience of the Holy Spirit. And let's see what Jesus Christ will do to those who are faithful and fervent in prayer as He pours out the Holy Spirit upon us at Pentecost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.